Welcome back to the Legal Diaries podcast. We chat about everything from small business to sustainability and mindset, law to health, finances to relationships. We want to provide you with the practical and actionable steps to smash your goals. So grab a drink, sit back and get ready to build your empire with Legal Diaries. Hello everyone um, and welcome back to another Legal Diaries podcast. Um, by the time this podcast actually comes out, it'll be nearly a year since I started this podcast, which is absolutely insane. So I will be joined today by Fiona um, and Fiona is a big, huge advocate for triathlon and women in sport and I just wish I could have all her skills for triathlon, but uh, <laughs> Um, I will hand over to her to introduce herself. Thank you. I'm delighted, delighted to be on. Um, so, yeah, I love the way, Danielle, you say all my skills in triathlon. There, there aren't many that I <laughs> possess. I just, I just try hard. Um, so I'm Fiona. I am a performance nutritionist, and that is performance in sport, performance in day-to-day life and everything in between. And uh, as you said, I am a triathlete. I think that sounds amazing. Uh, in my own circumstance, it's not as amazing as <laughs> it might sound, but uh, <laughs> I do get out and I do it and I enjoy it. Um, certainly from an amateur perspective of just being able to get out and say that I'm fit enough to swim a certain distance, bike a certain distance, run a certain distance. It's it's an amazing sport to be in because it's very, very inclusive and uh, it's it's just great fun. It's great crack yeah. and I'm all about the crack. Yeah, that's actually gas though because I I literally just started, uh, I'm going to say my triathlon journey um, mm-hmm. in January 2020 and I joined the club. So I was living in Dublin at the time for work um, and I planned that summer anyway that I was going to move home to in Kilkenny currently. Um, just to like do the adulting and like save for a mortgage and all those lovely things so I yeah joined the triathlon club was going to like swimming uh training with them like before work so like half five six a.m in the morning like and it was really loving it I was really like was so and the club were lovely like they were just gas crack um and then COVID happened and I was only in the club for about a month and a half so because then COVID happened I moved home obviously like they had to stop training anyway um but because I was in Kilkenny I couldn't even do they were doing like open sea swims together like they were because oh. they could so and I couldn't do the sea swims either so I was like oh and then we got into the nice hot weather but then within my five kilometer restriction I didn't have any like water yeah I know so I got really into cycling and um, because I just bought a bike at the start of the year with the intention to get really in because cycling and swimming would be my stronger ones I hate running so much like my boyfriend's a runner he's unfortunately injured at the moment but he any day I don't run he's like I'd kill to have your tendons to be able to run he's like because he can't run at the moment because he's injured and I'm just like I hate it I just can't do it so yeah so I'm hoping this summer maybe to join a club in Kilkenny and um, because I find the club really motivated me because I wouldn't have went for those early yeah. morning swims if they weren't at all organized and yeah yeah and with There's the no club way you, you do were, it on your own I know and you were still like you had to book a spot for the swim so I always felt really guilty that 
my books spot and didn't show I like took it away from someone else and so yeah. I always guilt myself into going but yeah maybe maybe one day I will get back to my my triathlon journey but where where did you kind of yourself where did you start with triathlon or like how did you get into it yeah like I come from from running and again like that I I just started running because actually I'd had a baby and uh he would only fall asleep in the buggy so I started walking and then myself and my like you know the faster you went the faster he went to sleep and I figured that if um if I if I spent less time out walking or running uh the more time I would have for him to be a sleeper I could sleep too so I was like okay that loop usually takes me 30 minutes if I do it in 20 because I'm running I'll have a 10 an extra 10 minutes to sleep so that's why I started running and then I just kind of started going longer and longer and ended up doing a couple of uh, marathons and um we moved to Clonakilty and all our friends loads of our friends that like we kind of were running with we're also doing triathlon and I was kind of saying well I, I'm afraid of the water so I'll never do a triathlon um I can go in as far as my thighs but if I get splashed in the in the sea in the face at the sea um it's all over I'm never I'm never going in again you know uh so it it was just it's it's like when you hear people going to France to do full immersion learning the French language um it was it was just total immersion uh being yeah. surrounded by people all the time who were saying come on, we're going for a swim, come on, we're going for a swim. And I was the person going, okay, I'll, I'll sit here on the beach and wait for ye. And they were coming out, they were coming out of the sea, like between Ursula Andrus and uh, Daniel Craig, the lot of them. And just in the, the pure exhilaration of coming out of the water, having done that swim. And I used to be so jealous, like yeah. just looking at them, heading off into the distance and having the crack about it. It was pure FOMO that got me into triathlon because I wanted to be, I wanted to be part of that, and I wanted to feel the exhilaration that I could see them coming back with, not just yeah. be eating scones with them when they came back, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I like I started with the I started with the biking, and then um, a really good friend of mine, uh, Grania, is a swim teacher, and she said, "Look, it's all about technique. Forget about trying to go yeah. fast. Forget about trying to go long." just come down and I was saying Grania I can't I can't put my face in the water I can't breathe I can't go down the deep end and you can yeah. forget it if you think I'm going swimming out in the middle of the ocean because there might be fish and she was like just get to the swimming pool so um a group of us went down to her and I mean it was really slowly slowly just desensitizing and I mean the first couple of weeks I only went to halfway down the pool because I was afraid to go in the deep end um, yeah and that was like that was maybe September and by the yeah. following June I had a triathlon under my belt that's mental you know? so yeah yeah that's so it's so refreshing because like so many people that I find are really into sport or um, have done triathlons like they have all these stories of they were always really sporty growing up and they always just transition whereas you just kind of you started running out of practicality because you wanted your 10 minutes sleep and your yeah, 10 minutes yeah. of like peace and then you couldn't even like you were terrified of water so like you have to push yourself outside your comfort zone um yeah which is really interesting because it like swimming because I've always swam um and 
whenever I'm I'm with a friend who's uncomfortable and stuff like that I'm like you should definitely do swimming lessons because once you have good technique you're more comfortable with your skill in the water yeah it's it makes such an enormous difference yeah I think for me one of my big fears was I would get tired halfway through a triathlon Mm. and that when you get tired you sink because if you stop moving you sink right and then I discovered that actually it is nearly impossible. You can barely even duck dive in a triathlon wetsuit. Like you just can't go under the water in them. You know? Yeah. So I was like, okay, if I get tired, I can just lie down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just do a little float. Like, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, I mean, there was all of these things that I didn't know about that I was afraid of that I didn't mm. have to be afraid of. Um, so, and I just learned those as I went along. Like, I suppose growing up, I would have I would have played rugby. Um, I would have done taekwondo, and I would have done quite well at them. Uh, I did loads yeah. of horse riding, but I mean, like that now on the rugby pitch, it was stop, start, sprint hard, yeah, start into a ruck, and like it always hurt. I mean, every yeah. eighty minute session on the pitch hurt. It hurt your lungs. It hurt your legs. It hurt everything, and that was just the game of rugby. Um, mm. And I could not equate playing a rugby match ever to going and running in a triathlon because it's such a consistent ongoing there are no rests um, yeah but it it I, it's great it's just such a great sport yeah yeah um and there's definitely like I found such a good camaraderie about it because when I emailed before the start of 2020 just like emailing around to local clubs, be like, how do I do it? Like, what do I do? And like all of them email back being like, just come to a swim or come to a run or come to a cycle. Like you just turn up. Like there's no formality about it. Like you just turn up um, and you do a try session. Um, so you try it out. And if you're interested, then that's when you register for the club and then you, you go through Triathlon Ireland to get like your insurance and stuff. So I was like, it's so straightforward. And yeah so I'm definitely I'm excited to yesterday was my first cycle back out since like so just because when you're working all day I, I live in the country so like there's yeah. no light so you can't quite cycle after hours no, so, no for sure yeah. yeah so yesterday the first sign of like spring weather I went out and I was like Sherlock had to go to the post office it's about six kilometers down the road I will cycle the six kilometers down the road rather than get in my car and drive so brilliant yeah yeah so and you are yourself so you've been doing try a few years but you're um a women in sports advocate for triathlon Ireland is that correct yeah exactly so like a couple of years ago um West Cork try the tri club I'm a member of had one of the largest proportions of female membership in the country um so no I don't, I'm not on the committee anymore so I don't know what percentage of, of female athletes we have in the club now but um I I always kind of that with, with men they will say okay yeah I'm a really good runner I'm going to come and join the club and I'll learn the rest of the stuff and they do yeah. that with an air of confidence um because they're going and they're meeting up with their friends whereas yeah. women will look at something like triathlon and say oh geez I could never do that yeah and I really I really want to kind of get rid of that attitude I really want to it's because it's a huge misconception that mm. you know I, I think I think people look at the top or the pinnacle of where they of where they need to be yeah. and they go Jesus that's a massive body of work I'll never get all that done mm. whereas 
if you break it down into the simplest steps, like I was, I was injured uh, and I was sick last year. So I have very little training done and I was sick all over Christmas and I literally was on the couch for six weeks. So I have not been running in weeks and weeks and weeks. And I, I've spent the last month walking. So, and then mm-hmm. walking a little bit faster and then like walking up hills. So like my session today was a hill walk, really kind of pushing myself. That's how I'm getting back into yeah. training for triathlon. Everyone can go for a walk. Yeah. You know? So like I think people see themselves as go oh geez I have to be able to run 5k I have to be able to cycle 20k I have to be able to swim 750 meters I could never do that as opposed to saying today I'm gonna go for a walk and we'll see where we are today yeah so it's kind of like okay well what can you do in this moment what skills do you require to get you to the next step Mm -hmm. how do you go about getting or achieving those skills and okay, like, let, let's get on that path and let's do it. Is it going to be fun? Does it hurt? How can I make it hurt a little bit less? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it was, it was coming to mind when you were saying, I hate running. Like, okay, so I had signed up for, for a, pretty, a pretty big race. And in my head, I have it that when I finish the bike, I'm likely not going to be running nonstop for this entire yeah. marathon. So I'm, I'm going to practice by walking. So like I go out and run 5K, and then in one direction and then walk the five kilometers home because that's yeah. how I see it happen on the day. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think we, we build things up and we assume yeah. we can't do them. And we yeah. have to trust the fact that we can. Yeah. Cause with running for me, like it's definitely, cause I've always been like, or like not for years, but like in secondary school and stuff, I was always quite a sporty person. So when it comes to something, like I don't want to sound really ignorant about it, but when it comes to something that I'm just not good at, I suppose, or just not, I just have a mental block with it. And I'm like, I hate it because it hurts. Yeah. And that's probably one of the reasons, like I, when I started to kind of get into it, um, and, but my, like I'd run three kilometers and my lungs would burn after, um, but it's that feeling of something being hard that I think causes a mental block for someone. So, so I think someone like that's a really good way of looking at it. And maybe maybe tomorrow I'll go for a run and think of it that way. Um, that you you need to focus on what you can do in the moment because if you can cycle, great, get your fitness up via the cycling. If you're like you, if you're afraid of the water, take it by baby steps and go yeah. back to lessons and go back to kind of getting yourself building up your technique because I, I do think swimming is one of the ones where I do think if you just get your technique down it is so much easier 100% yeah agree 100% definitely yeah and but like even even with the running like as you say you know oh I've, I've a mental block because it hurts everyone on the planet has a mental block against things that hurt them because if mm. it hurts no one wants to do it um and like I think the only thing I'll say to that is like I know myself, um, you know, I suppose I, I saw a reminder came up on Facebook the other day. Uh, I was out with my sister-in-law and we had run eight miles um, in a certain amount of time. And I was kind of going, that can't be right. I was never that fast. And yeah. like, if I went and tried to run at that pace now, I would die. I would keel yeah. over at the side of the road in a small ball, curled up crying. Um, but like, so I know that if I went out today, I'd be running definitely two minutes per kilometer slower and 
I'd be able to run at that pace because it didn't hurt. So if it is hurting, go slower. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, yeah. 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 And it's so hard because obviously when you're out running, you see other people like running and you always get that kind of like, oh, they're going to laugh me. And you're not, you're not able, but in my head, I'm like, are people laughing at me? Like my boyfriend specifically calls my running sometimes the, the shuffle. He's like, but he's like, you don't even, you just need to embrace the shuffle. Like if you're not really running that fast, but you're only kind of shuffling, once it's maintainable to go a distance, that's what you need. Whereas I'm like, yeah. no, I, I just want to run real fast and get it over with. And he's like, no, that's not like that. But that, that is really hard to do. And I think a lot of people, that's, a lot of people push themselves too hard with everything. So yeah. with swimming, with cycling, with running, and then they hurt themselves where it hurts. So then they get that mental block. They're like, not doing that again. Yeah, I know. It's actually, I was speaking to somebody the other day who said that they had wanted to start doing park run. So park run being the five day yeah. run in the park. Um, they, I'm just going to plug in my laptop here in case it dies on me. Um, mm-hmm. They said that what was stopping them was they had been looking up the times of a particular park run that they were going to go to in the UK. And they could see that all the times were much faster than what their time was for 5k and she said like okay but every week that person is last or that person has been last or that person has been last so if I go this week I'm going to be the person that's last because even in even in an Olympic marathon someone is last yeah yeah you know so and I think that's that's a big fear for people as well oh my god I'm going to be at the back I'm going to be last and that is that is really just okay what's going to happen if you're last what's going to actually happen to you nothing yeah and like I don't know if anyone has ever because because my husband does Ironman right which is this crazy crazy long uh full day endurance event um one of our friends did one recently and it was it was I think it was at the start of COVID but one part of it I think it was the swim was cancelled because the weather the conditions were so bad yeah (laughs) Yeah, and that happened in y'all last year as well, which was an awful pity. But um, like when when we go as spectators, so he'll finish in whatever time. But at the time limit, usually around midnight, um, they have the hero's hour. And the hero's hour are basically the collection of the last people who are coming through to finish up this event before the time limit goes yeah. at midnight. And like we're standing at the sidelines watching these broken people come up uh, come up the red carpet to finish bawling crying like you're mm. celebrating these individuals n- as much if not more than the people who crossed the finish line six hours yeah before. yeah it's amazing it is such a massive celebration and yeah. I I would love for anyone uh anyone who who has ever had a fear about joining something like this or doing a race to go and watch a race and watch how the person who's last over the line is celebrated because it yeah doesn't it doesn't change from first to last yeah yeah no definitely and the thing I read something recently which I think is applicable here and it's like because I was getting really kind of like hesitant about doing all like business stuff in the next few weeks and um I read something that was you will never be judged by someone trying harder than you so someone who is excelling at something or doing the triathlon or has ran multiple marathons will never judge a person 
who is just starting out but it's the person who will never try themselves that will probably yeah. be the and that that hit a chord with me where I was like oh my god yeah like if I was to reach out to someone professionally who's ahead of me they would never be like why are you talking to me whereas if like yeah, yeah. and it's so it, true it, yeah um and in terms of your kind of say um being an advocate for women in sport um how are you still doing that role or like how does that look or or what yeah. what what what's going on with it so there's a few things coming up this year uh, which I'm probably not supposed to talk about yet to be <laughs> fair um, <laughs> but there's I mean triathlon Ireland are always always working yeah. in the background I've been involved in a few projects with them so far um, there was a fantastic uh, project we did up in the north of the country and we got loads of people out doing, doing a duathlon and um, Try With Pride was the name of the programme and it was a virtual programme. Last year like what we did was at the start of the year obviously um, I kind of put out a, a call locally and it was a, it was a coffee meeting and I think, I think that's much less intimidating as opposed to saying yeah. go for a run uh, so I kind of hosted a coffee meeting and um it, we kind of put a group of people together I brought them into the swimming pool I'm a swim teacher as well um so I brought them into the swimming pool and we just had kind of a chat around uh around just getting in the water and what it entailed in triathlon and um, yeah. then we got people out running together out cycling and then I broke my ankle so I couldn't do any more um then I recovered from my ankle and I broke my foot. And um, so as it turned out, I had put I had put quite a few of these individuals onto my swim coach, Grania, who was doing open water swimming lessons at the time. So quite a few of them actually ended up doing a try a try with her and myself over the summer uh, when mm. lockdown was was kind of when we were, were less yeah. kind of tied down. And um so we did a bit of a try a try with them and uh, that was that was amazing. They were all, I mean, watching people just do their 100 or their 50 meter swim, do their little bike and their their run. It was it was fantastic. And like everyone said at the end of it, I never thought I'd be able to do something like that. And mm. even, even until the point that they were finished, you know, so yeah, they finished that. And now I know because a few of them have messaged me. Um, a handful of them are actually signed up for Skull Triathlon in, in West Cork in June. So like with, with the advocacy program, it's, it's something I'm, I'm kind of, kind of pushing all the time, really, I suppose. Um, yeah. I'm trying to highlight on my own platform that I'm coming from literally zero again, uh, yeah. back to fitness and trying to get back to running. Um, and as I said to you a minute ago, it's, I'm just walking at the moment. So I'm trying to kind of pull people along with me to say, this is where I'm starting and if yeah. you go along with where I'm starting, you can do it too. So um, I have a new program starting on the fifth of the fifteenth of March, and it's, mm-hmm. it's my Twelve Habits program. But as part of that, anybody who wants to get involved um, in training for a duathlon, a virtual duathlon that I'm going to kind of put together, um, mm. you know, I'm going to I'm going to kind of post about the training I'm doing and uh, the training other people can do as well. And I mean, it is as simple, like you said there, getting on the bike. And yeah. kilometers to the shop. That's the start of a training program. Yeah. You know, people feel they have to go out and do a two-hour cycle in a load of lycra to be a, to be a triathlete. No. Like, yeah. It's just not like that. So yeah. that's I mean, as an advocate, that's that's what I'm trying to get out there. It doesn't have to be this massive um, yeah. massive effort. You know? Yeah. Um, you just have to start. 
So go out for the walk, run, walk, run, or even the uphill walk. Something yeah, that pushes exactly. you beyond what your, your fitness zone. level is. Yeah. Um, and what can you tell me? Because I was having a look at your website. Can you tell us a bit more about the 12 habits program that you're going to be running? Yeah, so um, as opposed to it being 12 actual habits, it's 12 weeks of habits. Oh, so, sorry, 12 like, weeks wait, of habits. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's grand. It's, um, so I think like we start off the program really trying to get an insight into ourselves and trying to get an insight into what uh, what we want our identity to be. And, um, you know, a lot of people will come back and say, oh, I'm a working mum or, oh, I'm a stay at home mum. And having come from a place where they may have been uh, working in a professional environment and mm-hmm. um, they may have been doing lots of sports beforehand and they had this very multifaceted identity, a lot of people find themselves, you know, oh, I'm, I'm this person, just this single uh, identity now. And that might be I'm a hairdresser and I'm, I'm unemployed at the moment. And that's all they can see for themselves. So what I'm trying to do is kind of allow people to... Uh, broaden the idea of what they would like to be uh what they would like to achieve and Mm. that might be like I I really feel my approach to health is encompasses far more than just nutrition and movement I think yeah I think health has to encompass okay nutrition is one element movement is another element quality sleep connection we need you know we need people around us Um, and you know it's our emotional health it's our uh, mental health and when I say emotional health I mean our ability to have relationships with people and communicate with people and mm. I think that's really that has really suffered you know in the last couple of months so it's it's about trying to get people to look at what it is they need right now because there's so much out there on social media telling us what we need and mm. we're not actually listening to what we would like to do ourselves so yeah that's the first step in the program uh, you know what you actually want out of this because someone asked me the other day is this a weight loss program and I said well if you want to lose weight it it can be yeah and you can do that if you wish but that's not what it's geared towards and um, the the second third fourth I think in fifth weeks then are geared towards learning about nutrition so we pay a little bit more attention to your energy needs so you know are you feeling tired do you get do you get a real lull in the afternoon? Do you, you know, does mm. your mood kind of shifting because, because of tiredness? Because are you actually taking in enough energy? Um, and then we'll look at protein intake. So are you nourishing your body well with protein? Are you, you know, and then the next week will be what are your thoughts around carbohydrates? Because again, mm. carbohydrates were demonized by by social media yeah. platforms. Don't eat fruit or you'll die. You know, it's like oh my god where are we going with this so yeah there's a little bit of dispelling the myths in there as well um then we look at fats for hormonal health and overall health and then we move into um i suppose more movement based stuff mind mindset based things um and every week there's an element or there's a day of um taking a look so okay this these are the guidelines this is the science behind this but what mm. do you need so yeah um, once every week we'll have a day where we go okay this is what I've told you is is on paper best for you but mm. so are you are you feeling that do you feel that that's actually what you need so if I'm saying to you yeah you know all the standards tell us you need to get out and get 30 minutes of movement every day moderate level activity 
well, what do you actually need today? And like, as one of the girls came back to me one day and she said, Fiona, I tell you now, I actually sat down on Sunday, put a duvet on the couch, got myself a bowl of ice cream. She said, and I spent the whole day watching movies because I really needed it. And I was like, hallelujah, because, yeah. you know, we are, we are so programmed to do all the time. Yeah, we're such a go, go, go society. Like when I yeah. always feel guilt whenever I take time off. And yeah. I remember like last night, um, it was both really distressing, but also like great because um, I got a break, but out of the middle of nowhere on our whole street, our electricity went at like seven o'clock at night, like whole street. My mom and I had, I was still, I still had some projects I needed to work on, but none of them were like urgent deadline wise, but I just wanted to get them out of the way. And my mom had just finished working and she was like raging that she couldn't like watch TV or like unwind or- but it forced, because my mum said she was going to watch TV, but she probably would have done up notes for work or done something. And I was the same. I was kind of pottering on my laptop, doing work way after my hours, but yeah. conscious that I want to get this done. But like, we had no internet, no light, no anything. So <laughs> we told stories. We um, had, a, like, a, we kept making fun of, like, making uh, shadow puppets up on the wall. Oh, yeah. Um, we did loads we played cards we did loads of ridiculous things and it forced me to go to bed earlier than I would have because I was like okay I'm just gonna go to bed now because it didn't come back on till after midnight I think my dad said but um it it made me take the evening off yeah but I wouldn't have taken the evening yeah. off otherwise um and because I don't do that and I'm, I'm trying to get better but because I don't do that I go to bed with such a full head so trying to sleep is like impossible impossible yeah yeah I, I agree and like what I've started doing is I have started like I was saying to you a minute ago about working hours you know it's just been so busy yeah but what I have done is I've taken out my google calendar and I have literally started scheduling in hours to do jobs so I'd be like okay 45 minutes for that article and even if it's not finished in 45 minutes I'm getting up I'm going outside, I'm going to do a length of the driveway, come back, make myself a cup of coffee, sit down with my feet up, drink my coffee. And when my coffee's over, I'll go back to doing that job that I was doing. Um, yeah. And I'm actually taking, I'm, I'm putting down 20 minutes, like blacking out my calendar. You cannot take calls in that time. You cannot do this. Um, so uh, yeah, my, like even my phone will go on airplane mode for those 20 minutes. Um, oh, that's so Because yeah. that's the thing that I... I'm getting better at like I because I do comms where I work as well and obviously I've the Instagram account and stuff I spend so much time on social media but um now I have um a person who kind of looks after it now but I will take a day and I'll even because my boyfriend's overseas at the moment I message him be like I'm still alive I'm just not going to be on my phone for the next five six hours because I just want it away from me because it's like it's literally like another limb during the week yeah I hear you yeah it's and yeah. it's actually it's so great to be able to do that isn't it I know like, oh it's so freeing because we are we're kind of glued to our phones you yeah know, especially if especially if social media is part of your job I mean certainly for me it is as well um mm. it's it's impossible to put it down yeah no definitely and um so you have um obviously you're you're 12 
uh, Weeks of Habits program. Um, you also offer um, a triathlon program, if I'm correct, I could be wrong. Yeah, so no, not yet. Um, so uh, yeah, at the moment, uh, at the moment, if, if there are people starting out, like we'll say as part of the 12 Weeks of Habit program now, um, I'm basically guiding people through starting for duathlon. Um, yeah. So I'm doing I'm doing my triathlon coaching course currently, but of course uh, we haven't been able to get together for me to do yeah. you know, any of those elements yet. So I've kind of done the online side of things. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I've done the online side of things and waiting to finish that off. So, um, but again, from my perspective. Uh, I love working. I love working with people who are starting off and who who need to build their confidence to get going mm. with it. So that's kind of the group of people I really, really like working with. Um, so that's what I'll be doing when I when I launch that. Um, but yeah, not yet, not yet. Yeah. And do you have any? So for the moment, for anyone listening, do you have any kind of tips for anyone who just wants to start triathlon training? Who listens to this and goes, you know what, Marm's going to get out and do a walk, cycle, or run. Walk yeah, cycle. I mean, yeah, no, sorry, walk cycle run or swim. Swim. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose there's a couple of them. Yeah. I mean it's it's okay. Where where are your strong points? Because if we mm. can start at our strong points um and start with what we can do, uh focus on what we can do, then you know, we can build our confidence a little bit. So some people will say, Oh, well, look, sure, I've been cycling a bike since I was five years old. I can get on a bike. And it might be that they just go out and do 10 minutes. It's as simple as that. And it's, it's okay. It's not saying I'm going to go out cycling now for an hour and see where that gets me. If you're going to go cycling for an hour on your first day of being on a bike in the last five years, your bum is going to hurt. Your legs are going to hurt. Your lungs are going to hurt. So just, just be aware of that now today. Yeah. Whereas if you go, if you go for 10 or 15 minutes, it'll hurt a lot less uh, for a lot shorter duration. And you might be able to go again for 15 minutes and then the next time go for 20 minutes build it up don't aim for the top of the mountain look down and just take the first step um yeah if your background if you're a walker well get out the door and walk and see you know if you have your regular loop and your regular loop is three kilometers long and you do it in 30 minutes well go out the next day and say well i usually walk it so you know every every minute i'm going to do a slow jog for 10 steps and I'm mm-hmm. going to see if I can I'm going to see if I can knock a minute off my 30 minute time and then the next time you might do 20 steps of jogging every minute and then the next time you might do 30 steps of jogging every minute and it's just it's just those small small increments um I saw a great kind of cartoon the other day and it was two people standing side by side and they both had a ladder and the person on the ladder on the right, the rungs were really small and they were really close together. And this person was right up at the top of the ladder. And the person on the left, the ladder had big, massive rungs. They were really wide apart, but they were standing on the ground trying to reach for the first rung and they couldn't reach it. Um, So like if you say that your first step, well, I can't do triathlon because I should be able to swim, bike, run. Well, should doesn't really come into it if you can't do that there's no point in reaching for that because yeah you're not going to be able to reach that so look at the very smallest element what can you do um mm. that's a that's a good place to start for sure perfect and then um another thing i love is kind of 
diverging um, and you kind of had mentioned it earlier that you take kind of a more holistic overview of health and like um, nutrition. Um, you have listed on your website that your ethos is health first. What yeah. does that mean in practice for anyone listening? So um, I suppose there, there, there is this, again, misconception. Uh, thank you, social media. Thank you, media in general. Yeah. That, um, that thinner means healthier. And yeah. I've had an awful lot of people that will come to me and, you know, I, I give people the option of, okay, you know, on a, on a scale of one to 10, what do you want to achieve by working with me? And what would you put as number one? What would you put as number two? And a lot of people will say weight loss or fat loss being their, their kind of number one goal. And I always, I always say why. And for some people, you know, the, they'll say, oh, do you know, I just want to feel more comfortable. Um, other mm. people will say, I want to look better. And the amount of people that say, I want to look better is huge. And yeah. you're, you're face to face with these individuals going like, but who told you you don't look good? Yeah. And I, I, I really, I really, I suppose I'm, I'm in a place of privilege insofar as I've, I've for most of my life been the shape I am and um, I'm quite tall and I'm quite slim. So it's, it's difficult for me to say what it feels like to be in a bigger body, but people have the attitude that they have to lose weight that they must lose and look it comes down to some popular television shows as well giving across slightly skewed attitudes I feel um you know it's it's okay and it's good to lose three pounds mm. a week it's okay and it's good to go out and kill yourself five days a week doing a b or c and having these unrealistic expectations of ongoing fat loss and ongoing performance and having this restrictive attitude to food when we know that over restriction or restriction in general leads to binging so I don't like to yeah. work, I don't like to work with a restrictive attitude um I kind of tried to turn it around and say okay well what can you do to nourish your body a little bit better so that would be that would be my attitude to health first it mm. the approach I take is what can you add in to your current lifestyle what can you add in to your current nutrition plan to improve your health so as opposed yeah. to saying you want to take out that chocolate cake now on a Friday night because I'm not having any of it. If you want, if you want to get those results, you need to remove all the chocolate cake and the red wine and the cookies with your with your whatever. And don't put any butter on your toast, which is mad. Like it's totally. Yeah, um, that, yeah no, that's it. Because I'm actually listening to the I don't know if you've heard of Caroline Diener. She has a book called The Fuck It Diet. No. Uh, so good but it goes through that whole like the misconceptions of how people need to ditch the diet and that is what leads a lot of people to go through these cycles of losing weight gaining weight losing. Mm. and even I see like from periods um like even myself like I would say at this time of like recording I'm probably like for sure the heaviest I've ever been because I've always been really sporty I've always like gone would I focus I just changed my focus to like professional life in the past few years to, to qualify yeah. and stuff. So that obviously took a back seat and it does, like it does have real blow in your confidence and stuff. But whenever you do kind of research about it, it's always like, oh, we should have a calorie deficit or oh, we should do this. But she goes through like studies of that was done 
to show the effects of rationing and stuff like that and show that some people actually like they might have lost weight but then they went on massive binges then after and put on twice the amount of weight that they actually lost um and it's really interesting because it's it's listening to it has definitely got challenged a lot of my conceptions um of what like how many because like I remember when I was younger reading one of those like I don't like those magazines like um like yeah or something or yeah and it was like telling a like you gave a diet plan for 1200 calories a day and that was like and I remember like once before years ago I was on like my fitness pal just so I could see my intake and stuff and I remember putting it in and I think I said I wanted to lose like three or four and it was telling me to eat 1350 calories a day I I like yeah no I, I wouldn't be able for it Definitely I know wouldn't be able for it and like look there's no two ways about it um yeah calorie deficit does yeah. work because if you're yeah. in an energy deficit if you have more energy going out than you have energy coming in then your body will utilize storage for your store yeah. fats for fuel. So there is no, I mean, it's scientifically unequivocal that is yeah. how, creating a calorie deficit is what allows you to lose weight. But it, I think it's how you go about that. And I think certainly from, from the health perspective, health is not just about physical health. It's about mental yeah. health. And if you're putting, if you're putting somebody into that mind frame of restriction and the only way you can be a better you is to, you know, restrict yourself and punish yourself by not having these foods. I like, I, I don't see how that is good for somebody's mental health. And I really like the way we work it within our groups, we could have people finished after 12 weeks and some of those individuals will have lost half a stone, but others will be exactly the same weight as when they started. But coming back to me going, oh my God, Fiona, like the changes I've made, I'm now eating so much better. I'm really enjoying yeah. my food. I'm not afraid to make choices in my food. I'm walking every day and I'm I'm meeting up with a friend socially distanced and I'm seeing much more of her or him than I ever was before. Yeah. We have a commonality that is that has shifted so much, you know, and people are just changing lifestyle. Yeah. Changes. And it's that again, it comes back to triathlon. Like it is about that sense of community you have individuals you can say, um, do you know what? I'd love to go to the beach. Do you want to go to the beach today? I mean, like, it's like being a child again. Can we go play? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Creating those connections. Like, I actually can't remember the last time I, from my own perspective, I kind of thought, no, I shouldn't have that now. Or like, I did definitely go through a phase of what I would call disordered eating at one stage in my life. Yeah. And it was after um after i had started on uh the kind of path to dialysis i went through uh kidney failure and i've had a transplant so in between starting dialysis and having my transplant um there's a very strict regime you have to go through in terms of your nutrition so it is totally upside down insofar as you're supposed to avoid all the the healthy foods you have to limit your intake of vegetables and fruit you're not supposed to eat things like brown bread you're supposed to switch to white bread and everything because all the stuff that's really nutritious your kidneys can't filter it and get rid of the excess so it builds up and can make you really sick and i i think i developed a real fear around these things so Mm. my my kind of solution to that was just to stop eating and it's only now in looking back that i can go oh my god like they'd say to me you can have one potato a day so that's what i would have 
I'd have a potato and they'd say you can have you know this much cheese so I would have a baked potato with that much cheese I don't like mayonnaise at all but it was one of those things that you could have and it didn't affect you so I'd have mayonnaise with it because I thought I need to get in as many calories as possible so that I, mm. I don't I don't fade away to nothing so like I was trying to oh, and, and you could have some peppers so I'd have like my small portion of peppers on a baked potato with some cheese and loads of mayonnaise and that's what I was eating in a day that was yeah. it you know and can't have coffee because it raises your potassium you can't have this can't have too much water so I would have my bottle of water and have it there and you know be trying to control my water intake and it became this real negative controlling cycle yeah. that. so and it was only when I was out of it I kind of looked back and went oh my god and I see photos of myself and the funny thing is I see photos of myself I was I maybe like now like I'm nearly six foot tall I'm probably about a size 10 I train a lot and I eat a lot um, yeah. so my, I actively try to eat calorie dense foods to to keep weight on um, but I was probably a size a small eight I had lost I was a good eight kilos lighter than I am now um and the funny thing is I was so sick I was so weak I was so tired and everybody I met told me how great I looked that's the thing though because I remember like because I went through um an eating disorder myself when I was much younger and I think that's where a lot of my kind of fears about certain kind of foods or or doing certain things come from now but Mm -hmm. Like, I remember when I was kind of coming out of that, um, like, no matter how tired, how lethargic, like, I was in secondary school, I was, like, falling asleep in class, like, I was so, didn't have energy, so depleted, but the thing, one thing people always say when people lose weight is how great they look, even if they're, and, like, they only ever comment if it goes too much but people often think that the only people that can have an eating disorder are the people that are like bone thin yeah and I'm like no like anyone at any size can have now I I did get quite quite slim and I got treatments and stuff but there was other people in my say program that I was in that you'd look at them and just to look at them you would never think that they had kind of disordered eating or um bulimia or anorexia or any form of eating disorder because we have such a perception of what an eating disorder looks like because even people who will be classified as obese some of them probably like some of them that were in my program would have had issues with the whole loop dieting so they would go through really big phases of restriction and what would keep their weight up is that they then binge on huge amounts of food in order because they felt so their body felt so kind of like malnourished and wanted something and pushed them yeah yeah but that's that's yeah it's crazy and look you know I get I get that not everybody who decides to reduce their intake a little bit or wants to slim slim down a bit for a wedding or something like that is going to develop an eating disorder I understand that um but I think we need to be more cognizant of our language around food yeah around people's bodies um because I, I mean again it seems when you look at the articles that are out in in very common Irish magazines uh it'll be like uh, Johnny Two Legs and his wonderful new business well done Tim congratulations the rising star but then it'll be like Mary Two Legs doesn't she look great in her new dress and she's after slimming down loads like I know where's, where's Mary's acknowledgement for her fantastic achievements in building her business 
or are, we just, going to, are we just going to acknowledge her for her fabulous legs you know um and so I think we need to we need to shift that dialogue and we need to definitely change the narrative um mm. you know I mean you have two very successful strong women on this podcast um and you know who 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 talks about that who talks about women's successes uh, yeah I, I want to see more of that in media um, yeah because even I remember like I ran for I was in UCD back in the day and I ran for a sabbatical position so I ran in a student-wide campus election um and that year there was myself and another good few female candidates um and we did hustings and there was this kind of um I didn't like mock column that was always in the paper each week um and every week that mock column would pick on the female candidates about their appearance and what they wore to hustings and what they did but would never ever put never done like they might say the lads might have said they might say something about going on the beer or something like that but it would never be appearance related but it always always like was was um like I think I got called um a lollipop one week because they said that I was like really slim and yeah like like they um like yeah like they really and even when because I was thanks like I was elected but even when we got um elected there was three female sabbatical officers including myself and my team that year and whenever there was ever kind of hate posted online it was always like discriminating the guys or giving out about the guys for something they had done so like actually done so like oh I saw that person that person did this but it always came back to some sexual innuendo yeah how we looked or like some kind of like degrading way way to kind of degrade us like it was never anything about actions that we did um yeah and that in itself kind of put me off like I'd never have had any ambition to do anything political wise but anytime I see a female candidate so say like um Holly Cairns in Cork yeah yeah and the the fact that the Greyhound yeah had called her like a stupid little girl or something she yeah yeah I mean she was attacked and what was she called a uh yeah yeah, sorry, I think I broke up there a small bit. With a, a little, a stupid little girl or something. She was stupid called. little girl, yeah, by like the head of Brian Racing or something in somewhere. Um, and if a male TD had gone on the phone, he would not have faced that kind of like never. Yeah, it's so and it's so hard. And I think that is all that kind of rhetoric is what stops. Because I remember saying to my friends, um when I wanted to get into triathlon, I was like, join it with me. She was like, God, the thought of anyone seeing me in a swimsuit. And I was like, when you go down to swim practice, that is the last thing anyone is thinking about. I was like, when I was in tri, there was women of all ages. Like there was a woman who had had like five kids and was in like her sixties and she was down doing triathlon. Like, like, it's not about like, no one goes and goes like, I like, oh doesn't she look well in her westies there <laughs> like it's not that yeah kind yeah, yeah. no one does yeah absolutely yeah. you know yeah but I think yeah I think as a female when I said it to my friends like we're in our 20s well I'm I'm unfortunately leaving my 20s soon but um we're in our 20s that is the automatic thing that is thought of it's like well I have to wear a westie in front of both males and females or I have to wear like a swimsuit 
God, I don't want to go in and get in that water and do all. Yeah. So I think. It's a tough place to be in, you know, I think um, when, when you're in that place where you're, where you're afraid of being judged, people don't understand that uh, actually like there, there is a sport here where you're, you're not going to be judged for that because yeah. in triathlon, it's about performance. And, you know, I mean, when you stand when you stand watching people and you have the lovely thing about triathlon is you can have somebody come out first out of the water and they they could be the last person home on the bike because they might be the best swimmer in the country but they might be useless on the bike and then they'll come middle of the party on the run and then you can have somebody obviously you've got the winners who are coming out of the water first out off the bike first and out of the run first yeah but like I know from from just watching and from taking part in triathlon, you can't judge anything. You can't judge anyone. Yeah. I remember the last, uh, I did some, not last year, obviously, but in 2019, I did some longer distance swims. I just some some open water swim competitions. And um, there was a woman in front of me, got into the water in her togs. Now I'm there in my wetsuit, my swim hat, my goggles. She's there like in her togs. And, you know, the togs were not new togs. They were the ones that she probably had in the 90s because, you know, the, the faded colors and everything. Yeah. And I was like, this lady swims. I'm swimming behind her because I can draft off her. She's going to be amazing, right? And like, we got into the water and she was gone. Yeah. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so, you know, she, she was gone. She definitely swim. She definitely finished a good five or six minutes before me over two kilometers. Like, so, um, you can never judge, you can yeah. never judge people. And like my husband is nearly six foot tall. He's a big, well-built guy. And there's other people in the club and some of his best friends are like, they're, they're wiry, they're whippets. And like, he has got so much power, uh, you know from I suppose a background in in rugby like yeah you would expect him to kind of be slower and then when he gets yeah. on the bike he just takes off you know um and he's got unbelievable power so that's the fantastic thing about triathlon you you cannot judge people everybody around the corner surprises you and whether you're standing there in the newest wetsuit or the oldest wetsuit or whether you're in a, a larger body or a smaller body um everybody is wondering okay you know where where's that yeah yeah so yeah because that's so interesting because even like I noticed because I expected to arrive and it to be like all these like spelt women like getting in in their wetsuits and stuff and I arrived and I'd say I was probably the youngest person there like out of all that right club at that session and I was like I would have been 28 at the time um in 2020 so like I arrived and I was like okay and like you in as well as that like I was like oh it's gonna be all like lads in their 20s and like women in like their 20s or younger and like all like real fit but like there was like 50 year old men there <laughs> I was like and, and that kind of made me go like oh sure this is grand. like this is yeah, fine like yeah. not in a sense of like I'll definitely be able to lap them like in a sense that I was like I've, it made me feel more comfortable or something because yeah. I didn't feel these are yeah. normal people these are yeah. normal people yeah you know yeah. I think again it's one of those misconceptions that everybody involved in every triathlon club is this elite athlete that you know they don't even talk to you you know uh, yeah but it's it's not like that at all uh, it's it's just such crack like you know and look like anything 
if you have 100 people in a club, there might be 20 people that you go, oh, you know, they're not really my kind of people. There might be another 20 that you go, oh my God, they are the best. And there might yeah. be 20 people that, you know, they'll come and go and you'll see them and you won't see them. So it's like, you know, you can't be friends with everybody all the time. Um, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then kind of pivoting, um, like off what we are going off kind of what we were talking about there. I, in your profession and through the kind of your interaction with people, what is the most common misconception that you often come across when it comes to nutrition? Oh, it's, it's, there are so many. Um, yeah. You know, there are so many. And uh, I think, I think the biggest one is that in order to feel better in your body, you have to starve yourself is, is the top one. Yeah. Um, there, there are so many small ones like people will say oh you know um you have to eat a massive amount of protein you have to have like steak for breakfast if you want to build muscle uh yeah if you lift, if you lift heavy weights you're going to get massive um, yeah you know this kind of stuff and uh i think i think people don't realize actually one of the big things is that people don't understand the concept of resting metabolic rate so people think that in order to burn calories, you must exercise. Yeah. And what they don't realize is that there's there's a couple of different levels. So everybody has the, okay, if I was to stay in bed for the next 24 hours, uh, how much energy would my body need to stay exactly the same? To keep, yeah. to keep my muscles at the same level, to keep my heart and lungs working, to fuel my brain, how much energy would I need? And, you know, I mean, that number is different depending on your size, depending on your muscle mass, uh, depending on your gender. Uh, so, but like for, for one indiv individual, for example, to sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing for 24 hours, only blink your eyes and, and breathe, you might need 1500 calories or 1600 calories to stay the same. Now, another yeah. smaller person might need 1300 calories. A larger person might need 1800 calories. Um, but you need energy. So like people will say, well, I can't have that chocolate cake because it'll make me fat. Well, no, because you need 1500 calories to stay the same. So yeah. whether you, you eat that 1500 calories and three slices of, of double chocolate Black Forest Gatto, or whether you have it in carrots and salad, uh, you're still going to stay the same. So yeah. that, would be, that would be the kind of the big one. And I think that's a big revelation for people uh, when they start to understand the concepts of the the baseline concepts of nutrition that's why i feel strongly about about the education element of of my programs um, yeah i think i think once people realize this stuff they can kind of go oh right okay so i can i can loosen the reins here now a small bit and relax you know yeah uh, so uh yeah yeah i know that's that's so interesting one of the big things i find is like my brother like we were always like very like skinny kids growing up it just I don't know it runs in the family or whatever like my mom used to say that in school like I used to eat around myself in primary school but yes I would run out and like I'd be so skinny my socks would be in my shoes like they wouldn't even stay up so and like teachers would ask like my mom and me and my brother being like, like are, are you feeding them like are they eating yeah, yeah. um and my brother now, he's 21 and he eats like, he could probably eat for Ireland, but he is so skinny, like so, so skinny. Um, but he's so unfit. 
he just doesn't do any exercise anymore ever since he left school but everyone automatically I think equates being like oh sure you're skinny you must be able to run a marathon you're like no it doesn't work like that yeah yeah you know it it, and it is it it that is another huge one that people think like oh you look like that you must be so fit and there'd be people that couldn't climb the stairs you know that like yeah do you know a lot of it a lot of it I mean genetically we're we're pre-programmed to be a certain shape as well. I mean, you know, yeah. broader shoulders or broader hips or, um, you know, taller, shorter. And uh, yeah, I mean, like my mom, my mom is probably half the width I am. Now she's only up to about there on me, but she has always been really, really slight. And yeah, she goes walking, but she's asked her to jog. And, you know, like, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's funny how people... It, people guess that you're supposed to be fitter because you're a certain shape or size like it's- yeah and then if you if you're a bigger size and you say to people oh I go to parkour and I run and this time they'll be like I oh, know you don't yeah. like because you can't yeah um and then just kind of maybe to finish off and um, one or two questions so um if someone is listening and they're at a complete loss with nutrition and with knowing how to fuel their body right where other than signing up for your wonderful 12 week program <laughs> where where can people find like where what what is the good base to kind of start educating yourself about that kind of stuff um so like I suppose starting starting off like so where would you go for education is it or or yeah so yeah so kind of a bit of both so where would you start and mm-hmm. where where can you kind of learn all of the kind of goodness so to cut out all of the kind of say fake news about nutrition and what you need to be doing yeah so like I would say yeah, be very careful who you follow on social media if yeah if the person on social media is selling you pecs and a six-pack they're probably not the right person to follow um because and you know like if you just take this supplement so if somebody is selling supplements um be that fruit-based supplements special shakes tablets teas yeah anything at all like that and if they're saying this is going to be so easy and it's going to be oh you're going to do this and you're going to get this in 12 weeks um stop following them just just remove them from your feed if somebody is saying to you look this isn't shiny but uh it's not going to take six weeks it's probably going to take the next six months or a year um then that's probably the person who's telling the truth if it doesn't look shiny enough you should probably follow them um like there's there's a lot of people calling themselves nutritionists that have yeah. done kind of a, a six-week online course and again it comes down to the individual some of those individuals will be really ethical and will have a great um a great sense of uh you know knowledge behind what they're doing but then there's others who are out to make a quick buck as well and don't really know how to get that message across properly. Um, there's lots of registered dietitians coming on board on social media now, which is wonderful because they're really giving practical uh, yeah. advice to people. Um, and those individuals as well, are they gonna, they're going to be the ones going, listen, there are no bad foods. There are no good and bad foods. Um, you know, you eat what you want to eat. Stop demonizing foods. So that would be that would be my beginning um yeah do do a call on your social media um so that would be the first space but like realistically we have this information it's just become a little bit lost uh you know in all the social media madness and I mean that that old kind of um application of 
that our mums and our grandmothers had of meat, uh, potatoes and two veg was probably the closest that, you know, you're going to get yeah. to like if you if you apply that to your day where you have a protein source, you have some carbohydrates for energy and for fueling your day. And then you have a selection of vegetables to nourish yourself. Um, that's really not a bad place to start. So if you can apply that to your day now, obviously, you can't apply it to every meal. You're not going to have an old bit of roast beef there and some, yeah. some broccoli and stuff for your breakfast. But if you can apply it across your day uh, and that's really what a balanced a balanced diet is. Um, so like kind of more the approach that I'm, I'm taking is that whole idea of the palm of your hand that, you know, you, you would take, uh, protein portions, about four to six protein portions, size of your palm, four to six carbohydrate portions, the size of your cupped hand. Um, and then that your fat portions would be the size of your thumb again, four to six of those and, um, vegetables then really that, like I know for me, I try to get as much as I can. Um, they say yeah. use, use a, a fist size portion of vegetables, but I'm inclined to fill my plate. Of course, I, I eat predominantly a vegetarian diet. So, um, uh, and again, that's not about restriction. That is more about the fact that uh, I just love vegetables and I, yeah. also, I, I also love animals and I don't like eating them. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I would start. Increase your vegetable intake is always a good one make sure yeah. you're getting adequate amounts at least four portions of protein a day at the very least um, yeah and start from there yeah my mom always said that if you can't have your like traditional dinner never have your plate the same color and always have color in your plate because that that is where like your fruit and your veg and stuff comes in yeah. is it usually adds the color to your plate exactly. even today I had like a roll for lunch and if I had just had say the protein and the carb in the in the roll and the chicken it would have been so bland but then I added like red onion and salad and yeah. other little bits and pieces so maybe put it put it put a bit of color in in your life it's, it's always yeah, good for sure. um and then um going from that um so you focus then obviously on you kind of touched on it really kind of like nourishing your body mm -hmm. what does that look like for you um so obviously you eat quite a lot of fruit and veg um but on a kind of day-to-day -day basis what would that look like for you yeah I mean like when I say nourishing your body it's not just about nutrition you know yeah and of course from a nutrition perspective um I try to eat balanced uh a kind of a balanced diet and um that includes chocolate oats for breakfast because who doesn't need chocolate <laughs> in their life first thing in the morning um and again for me because I eat mostly vegetarian diet I I try to add in some chocolate whey um so I I have my protein oats in the morning and it just so happens that they're chocolate flavored um mm -hmm. uh, from kind of mid-morning then if I've had an active morning I'll probably have like a tuna and sweet corn sandwich or something uh with some rocket uh, lunch could be anything my kind of go-to at the moment is um is like egg fried rice with loads of veg so mm. whatever veg have been left over from the night before there might be a portion of roast veg or um I'll chop up a couple of peppers and um and some courgette or some um some uh you know one of these stir fry mixes yeah yeah put that into a pan and then put some egg on top and some uh some rice so I'll have like fried rice or I'll do a quinoa bowl with halloumi, uh, something like that. And then for dinner, like dinner this evening now will be a chickpea curry and a, a mixture of couscous and basmati rice or um, quinoa and basmati rice. So 
uh, that's kind of my day. Um, but then nourishment is also what do I enjoy? So yeah, like because I think food is not just fuel. Food is food is, is our social life, and yeah. food is enjoyment. And food is like we feed the people we love. You know, yeah. as, as a parent, like. And in, in the wild, parents feel their feed their children as a sign of love, you know, um, and uh, like, I think I'll make something nice. Um, what did I make the other day? I made scones on Sunday morning, uh, nice, sweet scones. So, yeah, uh, I, I like having I like sitting down with the lads and saying, lads, who wants a cup of tea? Does anyone want a bit of chocolate? And we'll sit down and we'll have a chat over that. And that to yeah. me, that to me is nourishing because you're bringing food together with connection. Um, yeah so there's that element to it and then I nourish my body with movement as well so um and with daylight it's so important yeah I went through a phase of working in hospitals and I was leaving West Cork at seven in the morning getting into work when it was dark uh being under unnatural lighting all day long leaving the hospital when it was dark and it was soul destroying so yeah uh daylight getting a bit of daylight is so important for me so I do try and get out during the day whatever the weather and have some outdoor yeah. time um and today it was a walk so I think I walked for about 40 minutes in total um and then I was the rest of the day in the office so uh and then I had some chats with friends so nourishment is uh as yeah said, about connection uh about movement daylight food nutrition uh, and laughing I I think we squeeze all the right muscles when we laugh uh, yeah so um, yeah. yeah that would that would kind of be the rounded approach to nourishment for me that's so interesting because I've literally just started well I say just started within the from just before January really looking into the mind gut connection um yeah and it's so interesting because obviously I, I come from a background of like having issues with my own mental health and understanding that kind of like um because I was with a nutritionist before and I remember saying that I she was trying to explain to me that my issues with say my digestion and stuff could easily be easily be connected to if I have low levels of sertraline and stuff like that in terms of like because the whole mind gut connection and ever since she said that I've been like fascinated with it so I got a, a load a few books on it before Christmas and I've been kind of slowly picking my way through them um yeah so that's really interesting that you have that kind of holistic approach that nourishing isn't just what's on your plate or how much you move but like the laughs you have and the experiences and stuff which is really yeah. which is really nice we produce we produce so many hormones in our gut and yeah our gut has so many nervous so many sensors for a nervous system and I mean we talk about having butterflies in our stomach we talk about you know uh, when, when we're looking forward to something we talk about like oh my god I feel sick when we're not looking forward to something or when something yeah. makes us feel nervous and we don't listen to that and yeah and I, often, I often say to people like listen to yourself you are having a physical manifestation of what your head is telling you is going on so yeah if that isn't if that isn't an alarm clock or if that isn't sen sending off alarms for you to say there is a connection here um you know there's there's it's it's mad that we don't listen to it more and yeah like certainly i know for me uh the gut is always the first place i listen to like i'll i'll just get that kind of slightly heavy feeling um 
and I go, okay, what's, what's actually going on here? That's the first kind of bell to ring for me to go, yeah, there's something, something's not feeling right here for you. What is it? Um, yeah. And that's often the first kind of warning bell to say, you need to start thinking about this a little bit more closely. Um, so yeah, I mean, the gut is, the gut is how we feed ourselves can impact our mood. And like, I, I often come back, I, I have horses here, so I, I do a lot of horse riding and I often come back to the fact that in horses, if there's an imbalance in the gut, it can malform and change from a perfectly healthy horse. It can malform the bones in their feet. So it can cause these bones to rotate. So this is like, this is how massive an impact the gut has in horses. And we as human beings talk about how advanced we are beyond animals. So if we're not listening to that gut mind connection, uh, there's definitely something yeah. about, you know and like most of us don't even though we'll we'll always be like oh I had a gut feeling about it and yeah. like we use the phrase but we never at all stick yeah. the two up to each other um but no that's been like everything you said has been so interesting so if anyone wants to kind of find you or any of your courses where can they check you out online yeah so my website is www.fionaodonnell.ie uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of in in most places I'm in LinkedIn uh, Fiona O'Donnell MSC I'm on Facebook Fiona O'Donnell MSC I'm on Instagram Fiona O'Donnell.ie and I'm on Twitter but not very often there's only so yeah. many there's only so many platforms you can manage at once I know yeah uh, yeah so that that would be about it yeah perfect well thank you so much for for coming on board it's been super interesting no problem thank you it's great to chat Thank you for listening to this Legal Diaries podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you found this podcast helpful or interesting, it would be absolutely amazing if you could spread the love and share it with your friends and family and on your social media accounts. Please make sure to tag us if you do. We are an independent podcast run by the three ladies behind the Legal Diaries platform and business. So it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For more Legal Diaries content, please do check us out on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search at legaldiaries.ie and give us a follow. Until next time, Le Gras, the Legal Diaries ladies.